January getting you down? Not to worry, I'm here to hopefully cheer you up with the January Blues Bills. Yes, it's a new year, 2016, and yes, I started it with a pun. Hello, and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews of one of the only a handful of musicals I will sit through, The Blues Brothers. I own this movie on Betamax Video, believe it or not, videotape, DVD, Blu-ray, and Laserdisc. I have saw the stage show numerous times. I own all of the soundtracks. I have seen it three times in the cinema. It just gets better. Starring John Boshi, Dan Aykroyd, Cam Calloway, Carrie Fisher, guess I won't get away from Star Wars, James Brown, Henry Gibson, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, The Blues Brothers Band, Catherine Freeman, John Candy, Frank Oz, definitely not getting away from Star Wars, John Landis, and somewhere in there, Twiggy, Paul Rubens, Steven Spielberg, and of course the 1974 Dodge Monaco, directed by John Landis. Wow, that was a list. <laughs> anyway, on with the show. I watched the extended version on Blu-ray, so there may be some differences from the movie you know and hopefully love as much as I do. Such is the opening to the movie, where we first meet Jake Elwood, or as I wrote here, Jack Elwood. <laughs> John Belushi. Where we think he's going to get the chair, but instead he's getting released early. The shot with Belushi and the guards walking through the gate is an overhead shot in a helicopter, which was shot by the actual guards thinking this was a real escape. Spot Frank Oz as the prison officer that gives Jake back his stuff. And hello to the star of the show, the Blues Mobile, and of course, Dan Aykroyd. This is the brainchild of both Belushi and Aykroyd, both being SNL alum, and doing it for the first time on the show 1975, hosted by Kerry Fisher. I will mention straight off the back that both Aykroyd and Belushi were either drunk or high on cocaine throughout the shooting, according to Aykroyd himself, saying that this would give a sharpened, hypened performance. Okay then. In fact, there's a story on a night shoot where Boshi went missing and was found in a complete stranger's house, fast asleep on a sofa after drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels and eating their entire contents of their fridge. Uh, only in 80 Fox, only in the 80s. Aykroyd did most of the stunts in this movie and all of the driving, including the 110 miles per hour chase through Chicago. Aykroyd decorated the interior of the car himself to give it a lived-in look, hence why it's never the same in any of the shots. The orphanage kind of reminds me of the Catholic school I went to when I was a kid, including the creepy Jesus and the mean nun, who had a passion for the cane slash meter stick. Only in the 80s, folks. Only in the 80s. Cab Calloway's Curtis, one of the reasons he took this role was he was going to get a hit song out of this such as the 1930s song, he wanted to do a disco version of it, and the producer says, nope, we want your original cut version. Also, I can't believe in the 80s they used the N-word, and that is truly shocking. But I suppose times have changed and it wasn't as PC as now nowadays. James Brown, one of a slew of cameos. Okay, technically Callaway, but moving on. I've always wondered if churches like this actually exist in America with the jive-ass turkey preacher, to quote the movie. One of the most famous scenes from the movie is James Brown's song. Everybody has copied it, even Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy. Both James Brown and Aretha Franklin insisted in singing live, which caused problems on set, but it was handled smoothly by the director. 
The other star of this movie is the soundtrack. Gotta love a bit of soul and blues. Spot Steve Williams, the X-Files Mr. X, as a trooper. Speaking of which, my review of both the X-Files movies will be up later this month. So keep listening, and remember, the truth is in here. Again, Aqua did all of the driving in this movie, including the mall chase high-speed pursuit. I love this scene throughout the mall crashing around everything, and I love the music playing. Real driving, real speed, and confused slash scared extras. I gotta love these people. They were told there was going to be some driving stunts, but not at 70 mile an hour. <laughs> so they were leaping at the road for fear of their own lives. The mall used was an abandoned mall since the mid-70s and was getting pulled down. Would you just love to do that? No? Just me then? Okay then. Also, what is it with the 70s and 80s and destroying cop cars? I mean, it was a staple of the things such as Smokey and a Bandit, the Blues Brothers, even Bond done a couple of destructions of, of the cop cars. The James Gunn theme, the other star of the show. The extended cut shows how the car gets its mystical, magical powers. At night, they park it under power transformers, and it miraculously gives them the power of God. <laughs> Carrie Fisher, uh, the second Star Wars alum, plays Jake's pissed-off former girlfriend with a missile launcher and some great 80s sound effects. You gotta love it. I just love the 80s He-Man sound effects they use. The scene where Elwood shows Jake his room is one of only three times they remove their hats. John Candy as the parole officer slash chief of police. I have no idea what his actual title is in the movie. Again, more SNL alum. I wonder if that's the reason why he got picked to do this. Bugnuts attack by Fisher. Man, she really must have hated Jake. And she must be a real explosive expert. More extended scenes shows where Elwood got the compressed air and which he uses to explode the Nazi and country western singers tyres, also the cops. He also shows you where he gets the glue to stick down the Winnebago acceleration pad, but more on that later. Only in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, would you open the door to two guys head to toe in black suits, shades and hats, let alone let them in. I wonder if there were so many killings in the 70s and 80s, my god. Lounge singers doing bad covers, how tackily 80s, Murph and the Magic Tones, disco at its very worst. The handbrake parking, Aquaid loved doing, I wouldn't tell Belushi when he was doing it, he just did it. Also, he wouldn't tell the extras, hence the startled doorman when he gets to Mr. Fabulous in the Shea Riz, I believe it's called. Also spot a young P.B. Herman as the waiter. Ah, the Nazis, I would say this is bullshit, but it was the 80s and the neo-Nazis were everywhere. Kind of like the day with Westboro Baptist Church. In the extended cut where Jake and Elwood go to the Soul Cafe, John Lee Hooker gets in an argument about the song Boom 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 Boom, which turned into a nasty fist fight which you can see as they leave the cafe. Aretha Franklin did sing live, however she was supposed to lip sync. However, she was so bad at that, they actually did her sing live and tried to cut it for lip syncing as best they could do. Hmm. The CIA line, uh, 
was an in-joke about the Blues Brothers' first appearance on the SNL where they wore beige suits. However, it was changed to black suits, sunglasses and hats as presidential bodyguards to Jimmy Carter. Apparently that was a Chevy Chase sketch that was changed. I had no idea about that one myself. Anyway, moving on. Think is one of my favourite Aretha songs. Her sister is one of the backing dancers. The skinny one. Hmm. According to Instant Movie Database, Dan Aykroyd and Kerry Fisher got engaged on the set after he saved her life when she was choking on some food. You kidding? Moving on. <laughs> the scene where Fisher is looking up how to use the flamethrowers, the pictures on her desk are all of Jake and they all have sunglasses on. And who said romance was dead? Ray's Music Exchange, another of my favourite scenes. And I love that the song Shake a Tail Feather. In fact, it's one of my go-to karaoke songs, as sad as that is. The dancing outside the store was almost supposed to be a handful of trained dancers. However, by the end of the day, there was well over a hundred actual public doing the dancing. So they added it into the movie the next day. Ah, the country and western stuff. This is where, and I'm not going to lie to you, the movie drags for me. The whole country and western stuff, the rawhide stand by your man stuff, is a drag. I cannot stand country and western music. That's just me personally. We do both types here, country and western. Pretty much same, sums up the deep south America for me. <laughs> hey. uh, what I never got was they hated the blues, and when they did the country and western stuff, they also started throwing bottles and other shit at the chicken wire fence. I guess there's no pleasing some people. And then that brings us to the sauna scene, where they discuss the gays and the hit new disco. I gotta love the un-PC 80s. I love the medallion man talking about gays in a steam room like that just is not gay. <laughs> I don't know if this is only on the extended cut, but I love the child labour and how unsafe and very 80s this was as Cab Calloway hands them the flyers to dish out all over Chicago. In the extended cut, Twiggy has a short cameo in it, and ask your kids folks who Twiggy is. Driving what else? An E-type Jag. How very British. Calloway, as I said earlier, Calloway, the only reason why Calloway had done this movie is because he needed his old 30s song, Minnie the Moocher, to be a hit. So as I said earlier, he'd done a disco version, which the producers had none of, and forced him to do his classic version. Also, I would love to know how they managed to fill that ballroom with all these people. Was SNL really that big in the 80s? Hmm. So on to the Elwood booby-trapping the cop cars and a good old boy's Winnebago and sneaks into the ballroom to perform. Question, does he actually kill any of these coppers and Nazis by tampering with their tyres and, and such? Hmm. The song I sung and danced to at my 20th birthday party with my red-faced bed friend got a love cheap vodka and bad karaoke. Everybody needs somebody. By the way, I was Elwood and he was Jake. God, I love some impromptu singing. Then on to Sweet Home Chicago, which I changed to Sweet Home Glasgow, and it went down like a ton of bricks, unsurprisingly. On to my favourite part of the movie, the car chase, where they used 130 cars and wrecked almost all of them. With a 103 car pileup, a record held up until the 2003 Matrix Revelations. I almost forgot, Kerry Fisher finds them in the escape tunnel. How? And just to prove Princess Leia can't shit for shit, and putting that whole BS about her being the only person in Star Wars to never miss and hit everything that she shot at, she misses Jake and Elwood at point blank range, and then falls for his bullshit and is slung aside. Poor Carrie Fisher. 
She get pie-faced in the muddy crap in the sewer. Lovely. Anyway, back to the car chase. My favourite part of the movie, where Elwood takes a turn off the motorway and causes a 50-plus car pile-up. God, I love the 80s and car pile-ups. I mean, what is it with these movies? They call out the mounted police, or the Coast Guard, the Army, Navy and Marines to catch two guys. Oh, for a speeding fine? Oh, dear God. The driving, again done by Diacroid, 130 miles an hour down the streets of Chicago, was done at 7am-ish on a Saturday morning. Which causes another motorcar pile-up. Again, what is it with the 70s eighties movies and causing pile-ups of cars, etc. The infamous dropping the Nazi car 70 feet from the crane shot was done for real and it quote unquote pancaked the car apparently <laughs> again i love how parking the car next to transformers gives it the holy powers that the car seems to have i find it hilarious that when they park the car it just disintegrates and turns into a pile of crap basically again i love how the police swat firemen army navy marines mounted police are all there trying to arrest two guys complete with tanks and anti-aircraft guns and one of the final cameos of the movie spots Steven Spielberg as the clerk that stamps the payment to keep the orphanage alive. The $5,000 payment to keep the orphanage alive. And so we end the movie on what else? Jailhouse Rock. So that was the classic Bruce Brothers. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. It would have been higher but for the country and western part that drags the movie down. So tune in next week for the craptastic sequel, Blues Rush 2000 even though it comes out in 1998. Hmm. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at here's Pod and email me with suggestions at here's reviews at gmail.com and don't forget everybody needs somebody. Bye!